appreciate her and the gift of God that is in her. So receive her this morning, and uh, I believe the Lord is going to speak to us. Amen. Thank you for not throwing that to me either. <laughs> well, um, I'm excited to be up here this morning, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity of uh, Pastor Caleb and Haley giving me the mic, <laughs> and so I just I just want to honor them and thank them so much for the opportunity. Um, but let's just open up in prayer, Lord. We just thank you so much, God, for what you're doing in this season, not just in the Low Country, not just at, at Christian Renewal, but what you're doing in the earth right now. God, we just we just thank you that that you are moving. God, that you are um, that you are bringing restoration. You're bringing hope. You're bringing um, people back to, into into relationship with you, God. You are you are revealing Jesus to those um, who've never experienced you before. And so, Father, we just declare this morning that you would rule and reign. Um, we say that our hearts would be open to, for you to do whatever you want to do. We just say. You know, out of your own mouth, just say, reveal Jesus to me this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, well, I, to start my message off, I kind of want to talk about something that the Lord showed me last year. And so in March of 2020, I had actually been on a trip to Disney World. I had actually been at Magic Kingdom. And while I was there... It was the, I was there the last week and they were open before they closed everything due to the pandemic. So literally while I was there, they were like, we're closing Monday. And we were like, okay. <laughs> so, um, but in coming back home from that trip, I began like at that time, right? March, 2020, everything started locking down and fear was rising, right? And I remember getting alone with the Lord and asking him and saying, God, what is going on? Like, I need your perspective. And so, and this is the illustration. A lot of times the Lord speaks to me in pictures. And I remember him, remember I just came back from Disney. And the example I felt like the Lord gave me was Space Mountain. Right, and if you've ever been on Space Mountain, it's a roller coaster in Magic Kingdom. And fun, little fun facts about Space Mountain: it was actually um, the first roller coaster that was built entirely indoors, ever. Like this was revolutionary for Disney when they built Space Mountain. Um, but Space Mountain is, is funny because it's actually a relatively slow coaster. Um, today, it's actually one of their slowest coasters in the park. It only maxim, max, at its maximum speed, reaches a, a speed of about 28 miles per hour. That's it. Um, and there's no loops. There's no crazy drops, right? It's my kind of ride. <laughs> um, but from the beginning... And, t and still today, Space Mountain is considered a thrill ride because of this one singular element, and that is darkness, right? There's those little strobes that make you feel like you're in outer space. <laughs> but beyond that, you can't... So, so when you're riding that ride, that 28 miles per hour feels so much faster, 
And because you can't anticipate when that next drop is coming, every drop feels a lot bigger. And because you don't know when that next turn or from which direction that next turn is coming, every turn feels so extreme. And it's funny because you can actually watch people on YouTube who ride Space Mountain with all the lights on. And it's funny because that ride in the light is not the same ride in the dark. Same ride, two totally different experiences. And I remember the Lord telling me in that season that I knew he was, he was inviting me to see what we were getting ready to walk into in 2020 from his perspective, right? When you're looking at things through his perspective, you're seeing things from a heavenly and eternal mindset, right? You're seeing things through eyes of faith instead of just what you can see with your natural eye, right? Instead of seeing things from a worldly and temporal perspective. And I'm gonna preface what I'm gonna say next by saying this, is that I understand that for the, net, for the last year, year and a half that we have been in, that for some of you in this room this morning, that it may have been some of the most difficult things you have ever had to deal with. You may have dealt with things that you never thought you'd have to walk through. And I'm not diminishing what I'm about to say next. I'm not diminishing any of that. But what the phrase that I kept feeling like the Holy Spirit was telling me was he said, Michelle, what you're getting ready to get onto, it's a ride. But it's not the roller coaster it feels like. He said, Michelle, it is a ride but it is not the roller coaster it feels like. And what I knew he was saying to me, and I really, I'm telling you this because I feel like, listen, God did not, God was not the author of the pandemic. He wasn't the author of everything else that exploded last year and this year. He's not the author of it, but how many know that our God takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it around for good. And I feel like there was something that God was looking to achieve in these moments of adversity that we had never experienced before. There was a, I think that, that in his heart, he was anticipating that the church of Jesus Christ that went into 2020 wouldn't look like the same church that came out. And he was, I believe it's the heart of God that in seasons of shaking, he's looking not just to shake you loose from areas of sin and compromise that are diluting your passion and zeal for the Lord, but he is also looking to reset us in a perspective and a mindset that we can be most effective for the kingdom of God because this is not our home. And this morning, I'm going to take us to John real quick. Um, first, uh, sorry, John chapter 14, verse 1. And I'm just going to quote it. It's pretty simple. Um, but before that, I want to just preface it by saying this. Is that here we are, we find in John chapter 14, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. Okay? He is but hours in John chapter 14. He is but hours 
away from his arrest, from, the tri- from his trial, and from the cross. And in this moment when he could have been entirely focused on everything that was in his immediate future, he shifts his focus to his disciples. Because he knows that in the moments and hours and coming, that the ride that they had been on, the lights were about to go out. And he knew beyond, he knew that they were not going to understand the twists and turns that they were about to encounter. Everything that they expected Jesus to come and do was about to take a radical shift. And he knew even the words that he had spoken to them, they weren't going to understand them because there was no framework or context for them yet. But beyond that moment, he also saw this, is that before, beyond that moment of darkness, there was coming persecution, the likes of which they had never encountered before. The pressure of life was about to be applied to their lives on a level and scope that he knew was going to freak them out. And beyond that, we know from church history that all of the apostles except John would eventually face death itself and martyrdom for their faith in Jesus. And I believe in this moment, Jesus is looking and he's saying, and I believe he's preparing them and he gives them a gift. But I love what he starts off. And he starts off by saying this. He says in John chapter 14, verse one, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Now, I don't know about you, but if anyone but Jesus, knowing what Jesus knew in that moment was before them, had said that to me, I would have laughed and thought, what you are saying is utterly impossible. Except it wasn't any man who told them that. It was Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when I hear, do not let your hearts be troubled, I'm not hearing a suggestion. I'm actually hearing a command. And here's something we have to understand is that when Jesus commands something, whether that statement or any other commandment in his word, every command he gives He also gives the grace and the empowerment and the strength to fully obey it. And so he's telling them in this moment, don't let your hearts be troubled. And when I hear that, it doesn't say, it doesn't, he's not saying you're not going to experience care. You're not going to encounter anxiety. You're not going to have to deal with fear. He just, but, I, but from what I understand from this text is what we do with that anxiety, what we do with that fear, 
What we do with our care matters. Do not let. That's a choice. That's a decision. And so he goes on in John chapter 14, verse 27, because how many know there's, there's our part, but there's God's part. And he wasn't going to just abandon them in this moment. And he actually gifts them with something they need for this season of adversity. And that gift is peace. And he says in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace. I give to you, not as the world gives. Oh, back up. (laughs) Not as the world gives, do I give to you. And I love this because, um, listen, Jesus' peace, right? It is different from the worldly peace, right? Worldly peace says when everything around me is, is in order, when everything around me is not chaotic, then I can have peace. But that's not the kind of peace Jesus walked in. In fact, he's not even promising that them the intensity of the moment before them is going to ease up. He's actually he's actually preparing them for a season of fiery trials. <laughs> but his peace is a supernatural peace of God. That means that regardless of what is shaking around me, Regardless of what I can visibly see as chaos breaking loose, I, as a child of God who belong to Jesus Christ, can walk in perfect, unending peace. And then he continues and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. He's reiterating it again. And he says, neither Let it be afraid. I'm telling you, I think one of the greatest um, distinguishing marks of our authentic Christian faith in the earth is that we can be, we can walk in perfect peace when everything around us is shaking. It's one of the greatest witnesses we have to the world around us who does not know Jesus is that we, it's, it's proof that we serve a living God who is with us even in the fire. And I want to take us this morning, we're going to actually shift gears because I want to take us to 1 Peter chapter um, 5. But one of the things, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context here, because how many know Peter was one of those disciples in that upper room that he was preparing? And Peter here in 1 Peter, he's writing to the church in Asia Minor, and they are encountering levels of persecution in this moment and when he's writing this letter. But within this letter, he is also warning them of an upcoming season of fiery trials to come. And he opens up this letter with a, and he opens up with a a greeting of multiplied grace and peace. But not only that, unlike a lot of Paul's letters, which closes with a benediction of grace, Peter's letter closes with a benediction of peace. 
And Warren Wiersbe, who's a biblical commentator, one of the things that he says about this passage is he makes note of the fact that from beginning to end, Peter is, in the entirety of this letter, there is a focused attention on the supernatural peace of God in the midst of, of adversity. And he actually says, he's like, what a wonderful way to close out a letter announcing the coming of a fiery trial. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, because remember, we're not, what we do with our worry and fear and anxiety, it matters to God. And so in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care on him, for he cares for you. Everybody say all. And I actually love that he starts off with humility, where he says, humble yourselves. Because this is what it looks, I'm just going to tell you what I do. <laughs> All right. And I love, because I love that he starts off with humility because there, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I'm dealing with fear or I'm dealing with anxiety or worry. Maybe it's care about my future. Maybe it's care about my family. Maybe it's care about um, my job. Or maybe for you, it's your kids or your grandkids. Maybe it's, maybe you're dealing with some care about your, your health, whatever it is. All care. And what the problem is, is that that care it left in my hands begins to overpower and overwhelm not only my heart, but my mind. And it overshadows the vastness and greatness of my God. And so there's something about when I come to the Lord in humility and I say, listen, I need to repent I need to ask for forgiveness because I've been playing God. I've been holding in my own hands the very thing that you would love to have. And then he says this, he says, cast all your care on him for he cares for you. And this is beautiful because this, it's this picture of when I take what is I've been holding on to in my grips, limited by my own wisdom, limited by my own insight and resources, and I place it in his hands, all of a sudden, all of a sudden I take what was in limited to I place it in the hands of God who has unlimited resources, unlimited power, unlimited strength, unlimited wisdom. Amen? And why I think care matters so much, particularly in seasons of adversity, is because anxiety and fear and care is distracting. Listen, distraction is dangerous in every season, but distraction in turbulent seasons is costly. And so, so Peter here actually shifts from um, talking about casting your care onto the Lord 
to shifting and warning them in that season of personal attack. And so he tells them, he says this, he says, be sober and be vigilant. Verse 8 is actually an echo of something else, he, uh, something he said earlier on in 1 Peter, where he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and he says this, he says, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. <laughs> Which means that it's a picture of a, of a runner, right, who back in the day would wear an oriental robe, a long flowy robe. But in a season of action, in a time to run, that, that runner would have to pick up and gird up and tie up those loose, flowy ends on that robe. Because if he didn't, that robe would not only trip him up, but he could forfeit the victory of that race. It would cause him to forfeit the victory of that race. And so Peter here is saying, he's like, listen, gird up the loins of your mind. I think New Living Translation says, prepare your minds for action. <laughs> Don't allow your thoughts to wander in these seasons unchecked. Gird them up. Bring them into submission of Christ. Check those thoughts. Vet them through the word of God. <laughs> because he says this, he says, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This word, be sober and be vigilant, it actually carries the tense that immediate action is required. It's like someone ringing a bell and saying, you need to have your full attention. You cannot afford to be distracted in this moment. And it's, it's, it's believed that in this moment, Peter is actually recalling moment in the upper room with Jesus before he'd go to the cross. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, where, where Jesus looks directly at Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, right, Simon Peter? He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. To sift as wheat means that it's, it's, it's what a farm, right? This is a farming analogy. It's what a farmer would do to separate that chaff from the wheat. And so what they would do is they would take that grain and they would violently shake it up and down and back and forth until that grain was separated from the chaff, which was the useless and the worthless part and separated from the wheat, which was what they wanted. It was a value. And he's saying, and Peter is looking out in 1 Peter chapter 5, and he's saying, listen, I see in that darkness there is a lion that is prowling around the sheep. And he is looking to pick you off one by one in this season of adversity. Let me tell you something. 
The devil is not, on, he is not everywhere at all times, okay? He is not omnipresent like our God, but he is an opportunist. And he waits for the moments where you're weak and you're vulnerable and you're being shaken to attack. And we know that Peter, in this in the season after Christ, as Christ is being crucified, everything he was seeing caused his world to take a loop and a turn that threw him off course. Right? In a season where he had told Jesus, I will never deny you, he denies Christ three times. And this causes him to trip. It causes him to fall. But in verse five, in um, chapter 5, Peter's warning us that the enemy isn't just content with seeing you fall. He wants to make sure that you never get back up. Because in verse in chapter in 1 Peter chapter 5, when he says that he roams about like your adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion, that word adversary is actually a legal term in the Greek. And it's depicting a lawyer who argues his case in court. And he's saying in that season, and listen, Peter here in 1 Peter, he's not talking as one who never dealt or experienced what it's like to fall. In fact, he's saying, listen, I know what it's like to feel like you are to, like, to fall and to fall in such a way that it feels like you can never get back up. And it's a legal term of a lawyer bringing his, his, his case to court and arguing it. And Peter's saying, listen, in a moment when he fell, not only did he fall, but the enemy bombarded him by continually and relentlessly telling him over and over again that, that, that reminding him of his past mistakes, reminding him of every failure he ever did, presenting to him the facts of what he did to try to convince him that he deserved the mess he was in. That to try and convince him that he wasn't weak, he wasn't valuable, but he was chaff. He was useless. He was worthless. But I love it because I don't know about you, but if you've ever read Luke 22, verse 32, Jesus doesn't just tell him that Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. He also says this. He says, but, but I have prayed that your faith would not fail. And when you return, that word return implies repentance. When you return, strengthen the brethren. And that's what Peter is doing right here in 1 Peter. Is he saying, listen, I know what it's like to fall in a season of shaking. And to feel like you are beyond your ability to get, get up and get back. But he's, he's also speaking from a place of experience that knows what it looks like to return 
wholeheartedly to the Lord and experience his strength in a moment where he was so weak. So I want to remind us this morning that it is a season we are in right now where God is saying, listen, gird up the loins of your mind. He has peace that is available for us that will carry us and sustain us and keep us unshaken when everything around us shakes. And not only that, but we're to be sober, we're to be vigilant. And Peter goes on and he says, he says, resist him steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in all the world. He says, but may God, may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen. That word strengthen is the same word Jesus told him when he had fall, when he, when, before he fell. And settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever. Amen. Amen. And one of the things that I really felt, and I'm going to pray for us here in a minute. Um, one of the things that I really felt the Lord talking to me about within this message was I really felt the Father's heart that maybe you're in here in this room this morning and you have been knocked down during this last year and a half. That in a season where God was saying, church, it's time to level up. You've actually backed off. In a season where, where, he, where in his heart, he is desiring that we would pursue him with a passion and a zeal on levels that we have never before. Right? Maybe instead your heart has grown apathetic, indifferent, hard, and cold. And maybe in this last year and a half, in this time of shaking, when God was looking to shake you loose from areas of compromise and sin in your life, instead, you dug your feet in deeper into that mess. And I'm telling you this morning, we're, I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to invite any one of you who have felt like you've been in that place to come forward and come to these altars because I, this is the word I felt like. I, I heard the Holy Spirit last week. Give me a word for that group. And he said, he's not just looking to deliver you in this hour. He is looking to redeem you. He's not just looking to rescue you. He is looking to restore you. He is not just looking, he's looking to bring you back into every intention that he did, designed you for from the beginning of your life. That is our God. And I feel that God this morning, he's inviting us to that place. So would you stand?
prayer team, you guys can come forward. Father, I just pray for every single person that's in here this morning. God, I thank you that, that, that in seasons of adversity, yes, it's difficult. Yes, we're facing things that we've never experienced before. Yes, it's, it's hard and it's intense. But God, I thank you that you've anointed and equipped us for such a time as this. And I thank you that alongside adversity, there is glorious moments that our eyes have longed to experience and see. Father, we thank you that in these moments that we are in this, I feel like we're in this season of a window of time before the Lord is saying, listen, you may be heading into some situations because let me tell you something, 2020, there were things that were unleashed. I don't know if you realize this, and I'm not talking politically, I'm talking spiritually. Things were released in 2020 that the church of Jesus Christ is going to be facing head on in the years to come. And so I just declare grace and more grace, peace and more peace upon us. In Jesus' name. And I want to I want to invite you forward for listen there is God's part and then there's our part right I can't do what he does and he won't do what I can do And I want to invite you this morning to the altar where God want where where God wants to do what only he can do And maybe you came in here this morning and you are full of care You are full of worry full of anxiety. And I want to extend to you that these altars and these prayer teams are available. And I'm going to say, come forward. I'm going to invite you forward to let go of that care and put it into his trustworthy and capable hands. And I'm also going to invite you forward if, like I said, if you feel like you have been shaken in this last season and knocked down, and God's looking to restore you gloriously this morning. And so I'm gonna invite you down. And then there's one other group and, and I just feel, I want to pray that if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is available for you today. It's so simple but he wants all of you. The Bible describes, describes him as the treasure that's hidden in the field. And when a man finds that treasure, it says he goes and he sells everything he has to go and purchase that field. And it's a picture of this person who realizes that he has just found everything he's ever looked for, everything that he has ever wanted, and at any cost possible, he's going to he's going to get it. And so this morning, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, 
Jesus says that it is a free gift. You cannot earn it. No matter how good you are, you can't earn heaven. You can't earn the relationship with Jesus Christ. The only way you receive a relationship with Jesus Christ is through surrendering your life and believing he is who he says he is. That he is the son of the living God. That he died on that cross for your sins and for mine. And his blood and his blood alone is what saves and forgives me of all of my sins. No matter how corrupt, no matter how filthy, no matter how wrong, he forgives them all. His blood was fully sufficient. And his resurrection, when I come to him, he extends to me new life. Because when he died, I died. He died in my place. He paid a penalty for my sins that I could not pay. And his resurrection is my resurrection. And so this morning, I'm offering and extending to you a new life. That you don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience his peace. You don't have to get to heaven to wait to experience his joy. When you give your life to Jesus wholeheartedly, you you walk in all of the fullness of the kingdom here and now on this earth. So if that's you this morning, we also had a couple words for healing. If you're dealing with any, um, if you're battling any kind of skin cancer or cancer of the skin, whatever that is, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ came not only to save and deliver, but he came to heal. And so healing is available for you today. If you're believing for any type of healing, come forward. These altars are open. But listen, don't hesitate. These altars are open and I'm making them open right now. So come forward if any of that applied to you this morning. If you need salvation, if you need to be restored into relationship with God, picked back up from being knocked down, or you need his supernatural peace to guard your heart and mind in this season, come forward. Amen. We're going to worship.
If you're wanting to still come up, the altars are open. Um, I just wanna let you know, you guys are officially dismissed this morning. Um, but listen, I'm telling you, if, if the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, don't hesitate because he is so good and he wants to do something in your life. Amen, amen. But you guys are dismissed. Um, be blessed this week.